0: Hello friends, welcome to the Angels and Awakening Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Jancis. If you love this podcast, please be our angel. Ask a friend to listen, subscribe, rate us five stars, leave a positive review, and share a screenshot of this podcast on your Facebook or Instagram stories. So my dad passed away in 2015. We weren't talking and it took a month for his family to track me down. Before I ever knew he was gone, I started hearing from him in heaven. It consumed me. How is communication with the other side even possible? I left my corporate gig, studied with spiritual teachers on every coast and worked with my angels to figure out the answers. Today, my mission is teaching you how to raise your vibration shift your thoughts, trust your intuition, develop your unique spiritual gifts, and connect with your loved ones and angels on the other side. Friends, when you have these tools, life really does become heaven on earth. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host, Julie Jancis. Today we have an amazing interview with health and life coach Elena Isoldi medici She specializes in working with women who suffer from thyroid, autoimmune, and hormone disorders and infertility. She healed herself from hypothyroidism, infertility, and a pituitary tumor. She's dedicated her life to helping other women do the same, achieve optimal hormone and thyroid health. Rather than focusing on conventional methods that regularly fail women, chasing symptoms, or even tinkering with individual biomarkers, Elena helps her clients identify and address the root cause of thyroid, autoimmune, and hormone conditions naturally. Elena is the author of Curable, Ultimate Guide to Healing Thyroid and Hormone Disorders, set to release in September of 2020. My friends, it is so important that before you start anything new that you do talk to your doctor. I so believe in everything that Elena is doing, but I also believe in complementary medicine where you are working with your doctors in conventional medicine while also working with holistic health practitioners as well. It is so important, my friends. Before we jump into the interview, I wanted to let you know that we have an amazing e-course coming up in February. In February, we are working on releasing fear-based thought systems. My friend, every person here on earth has an egoic mind. Those thoughts within your head that talk to you all day long. And if you do not know how to control those thoughts within your mind, my friends, they will control you. Have you ever heard the term train of thought? Why is that term even out there? It's because those thoughts are like trains that just want us to hop on and they want to be able to take us on that train wherever they want to go. Whatever that thought wants to take you to, that's where it's going to go. But my friends, you have the power to really understand your egoic mind better, how it is working to sabotage your progress, your growth. So that is everything that we are working on in February. The course, again, is three weeks. It's $2.49 for the course. You can find the details in the show notes and get all set up by registering online or emailing my office. And now, here's the interview. Hello, everyone. I am here with Elena Bedici. She is an amazing healer who works with autoimmune disorders. Today, we're also going to be talking about those who have trouble getting pregnant because there are so many people who are suffering with this challenge in their life. But Elena, before we get started, I was hoping that you could talk to us a little bit more about you, what you do, what you specialize in.
1: Okay, shall we start with why I do what I do, or we can just go straight to what we do? But it's first of all, it's a pleasure to be here, Julie, and really an honor to speak to your audience because the topic that you wanted to focus on today is so dear to my heart because infertility was something that I struggled with. So, in short, to answer uh, who I am, what I do is so, my name is Elena, I'm a health and a life coach. And I have become so because I had a story that was very painful. And we can dive into that as as you would uh, want to. But uh, in the process of of, uh, fixing my fertility issues, I became really, really passionate, which I did fix. I have an almost eight-year-old. I really became passionate about women's health. And um, my background was in physics and engineering and banking and education. And then this happened and began to blog about my process and people started to ask questions. So I went back and I got really hyper-focused when I went back to education. On autoimmune conditions, thyroid conditions, and hormone imbalances, including a plethora and infertility, and plethora of other hormone imbalances. So, the last decade, Julie, I've really hyper focused on working with women. Men, once in a while, yes, but it's really women because I believe that if we allow women to be free to become who they are, we can save the world. And of course, to help one more person not to struggle like I did, like some of your listeners are going through right now. I think this is like a whole level of different, this angelic realm of of existence altogether. So in short, I help women to stop being miserable and, and resolve autoimmune conditions, thyroid and hormone conditions. And normally within just a few short months, even if they struggle with them for years.
0: That's wonderful. And so let's do, let's go into your story. And then after that, I want to share a story from a listener who wrote in on this topic, but share your story and your why, because you do have a really amazing story to tell.
1: Yes. uh, Thank you. And so my story began, oh God, I got married in 2003 and by then I already had things happening. So I used to be very slim, active, a lot of energy. And then I met a boy that I really liked. Not a boy, really, we were in our 20s. He had to have a brain surgery. And as I became, so I was working full-time job, still finishing college, and then taking care of him as he was going through brain surgeries. My uh, body began to shut down. I began to gain weight, became irregular with my menses. And I didn't give it much thought because I was so preoccupied, as a lot of us women do, with somebody else's well-being. So while I was taking care of him, my health began to shut down. By the time we got married a year after his surgery, I was already, I think, about 30 pounds up from my regular weight and not feeling great. Then, uh, long story short, got on hormone um, medications, the birth control. And it was supposed to regulate me for my doctor's instructions, but uh, well, it doesn't really f- didn't fix the problem. So the weight was falling on hair falling out, brows falling out, joints were painfully aching. My husband actually used to pull me out of bed because I would be hurting so much. And I tried everything you can imagine: seeing doctors, seeing chiropractors, acupuncturists, naturopaths, osteopaths. Worked with a chemist, and it seemed like everybody wanted to have an answer, but nobody had an answer. And my doctor told me that there is no way to get out of it except through medication. Well, I'm not the one to give up easily. I was like, screw this. No, this is not going to be it. I want it to be natural. And so I finally took me five years, but I I got diagnosed with three things in one appointment. Hypothyroidism, infertility, and a pituitary tumor. Is a triple way. And my doctor gave me two prescriptions and said, "This is it. Get used to it." And I said, "Well, can I please reverse it? Tell me how." And he said, "No, you cannot." And so I made a vow to myself that I would because I started looking. I, I'm very much into science and logic, and that's my background because I, um, I studied physics and engineering. So I'm like, "Okay, give me the science, give me the proof." And I found that there was none that would say you can cure and heal yourself. And then, of course, being that uh, we're in the age and time when we know that knowledge really just expands really fast, I thought, well, if there's no science, I'll create a case of a miracle and then they can come and study me. Yeah. So I did. It, it, didn't, it was not overnight. Within a year, I reversed hypothyroidism. It took me another good two to three years to address the pituitary issues. And then I had my baby. That was a miracle. And after that, really, uh, it, it, it became a quest. I started to blog about it. People start to write from all over the world. So I went back, Got education. I used to spend like five hours a day just reading and reading and studying and reading. And piece by piece, I pieced together a process through which women can go rapidly identifying the root cause of the problem mm-hmm. and then addressing it. But it started with my own pain. And you know how there there is a saying that your your uh, test is your testimony. It did not feel like a Julie at all, and I didn't want any of it. But uh, we just had a conversation with my husband, and we are writing a book together that eventually I got to a point that I became grateful for my pain because of that pain, now I can help thousands of others. Without that pain, we would not be here. Right. So that, that's my story in a nutshell.
0: Yes. And you know what? I see this all the time. And it's really the way that I work with my clients is it's the egoic mind, this mm-hmm. mind that chatters away at you all day long. And if we pay attention to our thoughts and attach those thoughts and believe those thoughts, it takes us down further, further, and further. And you know what? The beauty is when people are able to shift out of that to see from the intuition, which is really your soul's thought system on the other side, because I've had parents who've lost children come in. I've had people who have gotten stage four cancer come in and somehow, some way people get to a point where they say, I'm grateful. You know, I'm grateful. You know, if I could go back and change the death of this person, I probably would. But at the same time, I see why it happened and the different beauty that it brought into my life. And not everybody can get there, but there is so much beauty in being able to see from that perspective. And
1: I think to speak to what you're saying, there is that spirit part of us that transcends all the physical. In the physical realm, this is where we're hurt, right? Right. In the spirit realm, we already know what would happen because I personally believe that we existed before this physical existence and I believe we mapped this life out for us, including the pain. And then we were born into this world and we had an amnesia. Yeah. And then now we're living out like puppets in our own play. And eventually one day we wake up, like I woke up and I was like, you know what? I actually designed this pain included. But before we get to that point, it feels like painful, but the spirit self of us says, it's okay. Okay. It's okay, grasshopper. We're, we're on a path here. We're getting you somewhere. Maybe it's purging. Maybe it's, it's learning. Maybe it's serving. Maybe it's something else. But I think when we finally transcend the physical and emotional pain in the here and the now and connect ourselves to that spirit selves of who we are from beyond, and we all call it different things, I think that we finally get it. I think that, we, that there is still a pain and there is still remorse and regret, but more with gratitude in our hearts.
0: Right. Exactly. Oh, I love that. So let's talk about infertility in general because I am working with a lot of clients who I'm gonna be sending your way as well because I see so much integration, right, that needs to happen with different types of healing modalities. And when people come to me to work with infertility, what we do a lot of is look at the energy of it. What Mm -hmm. constructs within your mind, what fear-based constructs are you holding on to What fear are you holding on to in your auric field, your chakras, your body? How do we release that? And actually, I just got to tell you, because last night, one of the clients who I've been working with for the last two years, and Spirit actually told her the exact month that she was going to conceive. She kept coming in and saying, Julie, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And spirit kept saying, you have to have faith. This is going to work for you. And two years later, here she is. She is um, halfway through her pregnancy. Talk to me about what you know about infertility. Are we seeing more infertility than the past? And if so, why? Absolutely. And great
1: questions. I'm happy for your
0: client. Nothing,
1: nothing makes me ha- happier than seeing a woman finally get what she wants. And for those of us who have experienced infertility, the pain of it is so deep, right? The pain of it is going to another baby shower and feeling like, oh my God, my heart is- I'm happy for the other woman, but now my heart is being so torn to pieces because it is my pain. Nobody gets it and nobody's baby can fill it up. And nobody is thinking fill it in and you know that your life is still worth living, but it still hurts like hell. So for her to have what she wants is just fantastic. Congratulations to her. But to go to infertility, the the infertility cases are absolutely on the rise. I think about forty to fifty percent of couples are touched by infertility at one point or another in their lifetime. And it's very painful because it was not as hard for women to get pregnant before. There were cases, but not as many, because now, in addition to the things that usually made women infertile, which we'll cover. There's also addition of the stress, the modern day woman, right? We achieve everything. We want to do things later in life. So we use hormonal birth control and we use other things. And then our body says, I can't put up with it. It's not natural. And so, yes, and there's the stress and there's usage of plastic and medications and sprayed uh, food and all of that. This is uh, some of the root causes. But yes, there's absolutely a rise in infertility. But I think it's really manifold. So if we were to go down and look at the root cause of infertility, Julie, for many people, it's different things. I've seen it because just simply it's a dietary problem. So statistically, we see that women who are consuming dairy products, for example, are more likely to be infertile than women who are not. So sometimes just by cutting out dairy, you can increase your chances of fertility. Now, it could be because uh, infertility is a secondary issue because now there could be a thyroid issue first that causes, like it was in my case, that, that it caused infertility. So then you have to go and figure out, okay, what is causing that issue and resolve it. And normally, I'm just going to give you a list of, of things that I deal with when I talk to any woman with any issue, and this will include infertility. So the first one is going to be diet. And what I find, and by the way, I do have a gift for your listeners if they want it, and we'll give that so they have the, like a bullet point in front of themselves. But diet is a big one. Diet is where we see that where, if you look at just 100 years ago, we really lived more off of the ground, right? From farm to table kind of deal. It was not industrialized. It was not canned. It was not jarred like as much. So there, there were things. So now when we start using processed foods, the body says there's not enough nutrition for me to function on. So it goes to preserving life function as opposed to reproductive function. Right. So if you're running away from a lion, for example, the body does not care if you can produce a baby or not. It just says, I need to survive. So there's the dietary stress. Then, if we're going to go on an emotional stress level, we are busier than ever. We're overachievers. So some women come to me and they don't have any babies, and some of them have three babies and they want more. Now they can't because they have these three kids that they're bussing around everywhere everywhere from one activity to the next. And there's the job and there's the husband, there's everything else. So the body goes into fight or flight mode. So again, the hormones of stress are up and reproductive hormones are out of whack. So we can't get pregnant. So, and then we're looking at what else do we get stressed about, right? It's usually the things that we take. A lot of supplements, a lot of medications are actually working against us And there are a lot of medications that can cause infertility as opposed to add to fertility. I look at ourselves right now, Julie, as we're this big pharmaceutical experiment. In the next hundred years, when we're going to look back, we're going to be horrified about the things that we tried on ourselves. I was on birth control for five years. And we think we just are not ready to have babies, right? But this whole time I already had a hormonal issue was developing and now it was made worse by Birth control medications, which in turn, when I started to study up and see where would I ever get a pituitary tumor from, it's never been in my family. I've never heard of it. What's going on? I found enough uh, studies to actually see that it's a possible side effect of a hormonal birth control, but it's buried so deep that we don't see it, and we think that we can evade and we can fool nature. And then we're looking at another big stressor, and this is broken relationships. And the broken relationships that I find they go deep into. The relationship with self, the first, the most important one that we neglect, right? So you talk to people about their spiritual life. Now How many people actually spend at least five minutes a day on their spiritual life? And I'm not talking about just you know going to church or a mosque or something, reading the scripture, but really sitting there with yourself, finding out who you truly are, what makes you happy, where's your true north? What's your uh, one of my friends uh, Tracy Thomas? She wrote a book on it, but she calls it the internal navigation system. What's what is that system telling you? Is this even the right time to have a baby? Because the want and the need are two different things, right? And the must is a whole different thing. And then we also look at. Genetic mutations sometimes can cause that. So for example, if somebody has, and there are many variations, so I'm not uh, going to name numbers, so nobody just chases after those two. Uh, But for example, some of my clients have a genetic mutation uh, that affects how they process uh, and methylate certain vitamins in their body. And their body cannot do it and they're over-toxic, then the body simply says, I don't have what it takes to put a baby in there. So for me, I personally found out that I was very low on one of the vitamins. And then when I got it addressed, it was a very specific one. And the doctors had no clue. And it was by miracle. I found two studies that were so buried, you could not find them. And when I even contacted people who ran the studies, they didn't remember they did them. It was just enough for me to say, okay, there's a possibility. But I got it treated. And four weeks later, I was pregnant. So it's diet, it's stress. Uh, trauma is another big thing, Julie, that can cause infertility. Now, trauma, as we see, can be emotional, psychological, sexual. It could be a lot of things. It could be PTSD for somebody. Again, the body's in fight or flight, and unless you release it, it can't. Now, there is science that shows that, for example, certain fears and phobias and problems we have in life could have been inherited from our mothers, and that means grandmothers and going generations back. So basically, as long as you were an egg in your mother's uterus somewhere or an, an ovary, you could have inherited her fears which means she might have inherited that from her mother and going generations back. This is where your work comes in probably.
0: Yeah, and this is what I see all the time. And you can see by what spirit shows you too, that there's different reasons for that too, right? Because, you know, um, it's just a joke, but spirit shows being, you know, like back in the caveman days, you know, the mom yelling at the caveman's son, don't go out there, don't go outside that cave, that bear's gonna eat ya. There are different fears that we may have passed down in order to keep our own survival. And I think we're at the very first point as a society, as a collective human race, that we don't have as many of those fears really to pass down anymore because so much of it has been cleared.
1: Mm -hmm. But we still try to because it's so inherent in us. So if you take one fear away, we don't have to fear now having a famine, at least not in America, but we're going to come up with, okay, being stuck in traffic and being hit somewhere and something else. So you're correct. Some of the fears are created for survival, but they're passed down. And unless we learn to reprogram the body, reprogram the subconscious mind, we always come out wanting. Infertility goes through all of that. So there's not one big clear cut answer. And I think as humans, especially as Westerners, what we have tried to do is we try to explain it away, right? You do one physical thing and you get one physical thing in return. But we're so much more than a physical thing, right? We're spirit, soul, and body, as some religions would say. For me, just I think that we're a spiritual essence living in a physical body, but that physical body is actually very much spiritual because... If I look at you under microscope, over 90% of who we are is empty space. We're just vibrating at a certain level for our molecules to seem like, oh, it's yes. flesh. I can touch it. Yes. But in reality, it's, really, it's spiritual beings having a human experience, and I think we forgot that. Mm-hmm. So put it together, the diet, the possible deficiencies, possible genetic mutation, trauma, stress, lack of sleep. Being overweight, because if you're overweight, carrying too much estrogen in your body, that creates an imbalance. How
0: much weight is overweight?
1: It will depend on each person. So for example, I am five, almost six, five and three quarters. For me, anything between 120 to about 150-ish would be normal. So it's really, and for some people, they'll be like, oh my God, I'm overweight. So for you, when your hormones are starting to get out of balance, you know you are. When you there's a little too much squishing is going around, like a little padding is okay in my world. My, my essence here is, is um, if we can teach women how to be healthy and their body eventually stops losing weight, even if they work out, I'm like, okay, we might be in a happy place. But now if there is an underlying root cause, such as a hormonal issue, and you cannot lose weight, that, that's what happened to me in the past. I was working out and I was trying to diet and all that, but I had thyroid issues. I couldn't lose weight. Mm -hmm. But how much is overweight is really hard to say. But I think as long as we're healthy, joints are healthy and our reproductive organs or our sex drive is healthy, I think we're in a good place.
0: Okay. I have a letter here from a listener who has asked for you to answer specific questions for her. She is working on uh, infertility right now, but she says, my story is this. In the past five years, I have had five miscarriages. And successfully delivered beautiful twin girls in 2018. After our third miscarriage, my reproductive endocrinologist ran a genetic test on both me and my husband. They found that my husband has an extra Y chromosome, and in uh, parentheses, she's got XYY instead of XY. After thousands of dollars on tests and tremendous heartbreak, I was told that we had to run all tests possible at this time. All came back normal with the miscarriages unexplained. They Mm. believed that the XYY was the contributing factor to our miscarriages. They recommended we move forward with an IUI with donor sperm. We moved forward with a donor and I went on to have my fourth miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Then the doctor recommended we move forward with IVF. They were unsure if we would find success with IVF, but it could at least provide us with answers. Could the problem be my egg quality? The first round of IVF was unsuccessful using my husband's sperm. None of the embryos survived to be able to transfer. We moved forward with a second round of IVF with a donor. This time we were able to get four beautiful embryos to later transfer. We transferred two embryos in 2017 and I gave birth to two precious healthy baby girls in 2018. During my pregnancy, I was taking a baby aspirin daily, progesterone shots daily, estrogen daily, and love knocks shots as a precaution since my miscarriages were still considered unexplained. In September 2019, just this past fall, we moved forward with an embryo, had two frozen embryos left, transferred in hopes of having another child. The embryo did not take and resulted in an unsuccessful pregnancy. In November 19, we transferred our last frozen embryo. The transfer was successful and I was pregnant, but I miscarried the baby after nine weeks. With all five of my miscarriages, I miscarried the babies after a heartbeat was detected in the first trimester. I have spent thousands of dollars on supplements and vitamins trying to make sure my body is as healthy as possible. On a side note, this week I came down with oral thrush four times within eight months. I'm a healthy young adult. My gut is telling me that there has to be an underlying reason why I'm getting these. After doing some research on my own this week, does Elena feel this could possibly be tied to undiagnosed hypothyroidism? As of July, 2019, my hormone and TSH test, thyroid test, all came back within normal range. If she feels she can help me, I'm open to scheduling a consult. Thank you
1: for <laughs> I your <love> time. <laughs> I love it. Okay, well, let's schedule a consult. Let's do it. So yeah. here's what I feel. First of all, I, I would love to talk to her and actually pick her brain. So the history of miscarriages is one thing. Here's where I normally go with people. And before I do a consult, I do like a pre-consult. I screen my people. Right now I have 95 to 99% success rate with my clients just reversing their conditions. With infertilities, we see up to 80% success rate within the first 12 months. But only because I'm extremely, extremely picky of who I put through.
0: Wow. 80% success rate. Within the first year. Wow. That is incredible. Yeah. That yeah. Is Better
1: it. than IVF, but I always go into this. So as medical programs out there, medical treatments, because they, they're medical, right? People come to trust them. They go, well, if you are, for example, I'm turning 43 this week and they say, okay, if you had IVF, there's only maybe 50% or de- then goes down to 25 or, or 15% chance of getting pregnant. And I'm thinking, as long as I'm ovulating and I'm healthy, why the heck that is so hard? So going back to where we started, if Um, Do I think if there's a hypothyroidism in her, I would have to ask her what other symptoms she might have. So numbers for me, they're important. So at a certain point, you get bad enough that you can be detectable. So yes, you can now be officially diagnosed, Julie, that you have thyroid issues. But it took me five years to get to the point where I was diagnosable for five years, kind of like your reader. I was going and saying, I have this problem and this problem and this problem. Nobody can tell me why, because I was not yet bad enough to be outside of the range.
0: So, so it wasn't showing up because it wasn't a high enough point that you had. It was not bad enough yet. Okay. Mm -hmm. And this is interesting because this is what. Spirit keeps showing me with the clients that I work with with diabetes too. Is that we're doing the same thing with diabetes? That people, there really needs to be, and this is a completely different subject, but related. That you really need to have a pre-diabetes range. Tell people when they're pre-diabetes so that they can reverse it then, and that they're not getting full-blown.
1: Well, and, and there is there's pre-diabetic diagnosis these days. However, it doesn't mean most people will go. Oh, I know exactly what to do. Because their doctors will tell them the same thing. Well, just eat better and exercise. Well, that helped nobody ever because most people go, well, you know, to, to do that, first of all, that was the underlying cause. And then most people need support and expertise and they need accountability because listen, we've all been there near resolution. You, you drive up to the gym, you're like, I'm, not go- I'm going home because this is like Black Friday out there. Do it two months later and you have all the work in the world you need. Why is it that people fail there? Because there's no accountability or support. There's not really digging down to their psyche and they're saying their triggers. So the same goes with diabetes and even with infertility. So, okay. So this poor woman has probably, she said, thousands on supplements that she spent. Well, if I were to count the IOI and the IVF and the donor and all of that, we're easily right there talking about a hundred grand plus. She's lucky if her insurance covers it.
0: Well, they're, they're done. They're out of everything. They've used up all of the money that they have and yeah. all of it on this. Which- yeah, I
1: understand. I've, I've seen families fall apart because of this. One of my clients right now just came to me two weeks ago. She lives overseas and boy, she's done things. They pulled their house up for sale just to conceive and own. Yes, does it cost money to work with people? Of course, with you, with me, with anybody else. But I always looked at where do I spend my money that is best spent? Now, back to this lady. First of all, I'm really, really sorry to hear that she went through so much pain. For me, just to get a negative pregnancy result was painful enough, but you actually have a positive and then miscarriage. You're grieving your babies. For her, it's really understanding the root cause. And the root cause could, be, could it be his XY chromosome, maybe. Is it possible that both of them have a genetic mutation that needs to be addressed? And most of my clients don't take more than like two or three supplements. So it should not take thousands to resolve it. In all honesty, it took me less than 200 bucks to resolve my infertility issue once I knew what to address.
0: Wow. So how did you get to that point of knowing what it was that you had to address?
1: It was a lot, a lot of research. So first, yes, my diet had to be absolutely fixed. And I fixed the diet in a reverse hypothyroidism. And I was like, yay, to start. And then my menses still would not come because I still had pituitary tumor issues now that were preventing me from this. So I did try medication, made me very miserably sick. And after six months on it, I said, if this is what having a baby feels like, I don't want any baby at all. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't sleep. Insomnia. Like I, I couldn't. And I was a fitness instructor at that time. It was not possible. So how did I get there? Research, research. I finally sat down. I wrote out, I'm like, oh, I'm doing all these things right. So I was not giving up on my clean diet. But I was like, okay, what else can I do in addition to that? And then there was a deficiency that came up that my doctors told me I was not deficient. I was pressing for it. And I said, okay, let's assume that I have a deficiency. So I actually interviewed four or five doctors. And one of them said, I'll work with you. And I said, okay, here's what I want you to do. He wrote a script. And uh, four weeks later, that was addressed. So I'm saying it's $200, but it really took five years of my life to get there. So it's much more. It's about $20,000 in research that led to nothing. To eventually just find something that was so simple, like addressing my diet. For me personally, diet, I had a B12 deficiency and I had stress in my life. Mm-hmm. When I addressed those three, hello, yeah. there was the baby, right? But for her, it could be different. If there's a genetic mutation, then there's really, I had a client just recently, 20 years on thyroid medication, psychiatric medication, basically 20 years and 10 meds. And she was to the point that she was falling asleep behind the wheel. She couldn't think straight. She was, she was moving like her body was in meth, and it was just because there was it was just overwhelmed. Took me one conversation. I was like, "Listen, you have a genetic mutation. Go get tested." She went to her doctor. The doctor was like, "I don't even know how to test for it."
0: Right. And let's break it down because some people don't know what a genetic mutation is. So genetic mutation, you have the DNA strand, you have all of these, is it billions of just different- Yeah, we have.
1: Oh my God, we have so much, but there are specific ones. And mind you, we as humanity, we're like at the bottom of the barrel to even, everybody's got a genetic mutation, but there are certain combinations of genetic mutations that make somebody more prone to have thyroid issues, infertility issues, and so on and so forth. So for example, somebody with a genetic mutation, like this woman I was talking about, she took something simple as folic acid. Mm. Well, my, my body would have, it's not a good supplement to take, and a lot of women who are trying to get pregnant are taking a supplement with folic acid. Her body couldn't, could not detox it. So the toxicity was building up and making her sicker. When we removed it and I said, okay, get tested, let's find a doctor who will give you some B12 injection." She got on that. And then we went immediately, let's uh, address your diet. And all of a sudden the body was able to start detoxing and detoxing. Four weeks later, she was symptom-free. Yeah. Five months later, she was off of all meds, but one which was down to 50% and she's weaning off of it now. Internet. But So mutations are multiple. Julie, if I were to pull out the list right now, I don't even have a list. I could tell you like a couple numbers and after that, I might need to look at the list.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And just to kind of put it into perspective, my daughter has a genetic mutation, uh, Noonan syndrome, which is actually one of the second most common syndromes next to Down syndrome. And when she was born in 2011, I think that they maybe had identified maybe seven um, genes that cause mm-hmm. it because there's different parts of Noonan syndrome that you could have. It looks different in different people based on that gene mutation. Now, I think they have over 15 genes that they've identified. And And it's going
1: to only grow from here because, so some of, uh, if your clients uh, ever wanted to go and test, for example, genetic test, that is called MTHFR. If you write it down, it looks like a cuss word. It's not. It's just MTHFR. And you get tested. And of course, you need to find a practitioner who knows how to read it and how to interpret it afterward. But if they get that done, for example, that test will show them if they are not detoxing properly. And if they are not, there are specific things that we do and depends on the person, it depends on their combination of the mutation that we can do to allow their bodies to detox better when that is done. Then the body goes, oh, I'm not in survival mode anymore. Now I can digest better. I can absorb better. I can uh, appropriate the nutrients where they're supposed to go and I'm no longer in stress because being happy on the outside, but having the genetic mutation does not mean that everything is okay, right? It could mean that inside, it's like under the hood of a car. The car can be beautiful, but the inside is breaking down. So it's only a matter of time because it beca- before you become diagnosable. And this area, Julie, is very much still new and emerging to even test for genetic mutations that most people don't know to do it, to tie the infertility to genetic mutations. Mm -hmm. Now with me, it was not a genetic mutation. It was a simple deficiency that was still not low enough to be diagnosable. Yeah. But I pressed for a supplement because I wanted an injection. So got the script four weeks later, I ovulated, I conceived and I was,
0: I was good. Friends, if you feel called to work with me, do it. In March, we've got the Angel Reiki School on March 7th and 8th in Naperville, Illinois. Here you'll become a certified Reiki Master Teacher and learn how to develop your unique spiritual gifts. Also, March 2nd through 20th is our live e-course called Releasing Negative Thoughts and Training the Egoic Mind. It's all about how the ego tries to sabotage you, but when you're aware of this, you can stop it so that your egoic mind doesn't block your progress or your soul's path. Taking this course will also help you hear your intuition more. Book this e-course, our previous How to Talk to Angels e-course, or our Manifestation e-course all on my website. Also, you can always book a one-on-one session with me for some healing and loving messages from your spirit team. Friends, when you book one or more of these services, it funds this podcast. Thank you so much for your support and keeping this show going. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast to hear all about the freebies we offer as well. So I wanna wrap up. Any other suggestions that you would have for the woman who wrote in? But then I also want to go into autoimmune disorders because there's a lot of parallels that you see as a healer working with so many different people. So let's wrap up this and jump into that. Okay. Well, so for this woman... I would need to sit down with her to really talk and see what
1: else is going on. Are you asymptomatic? And this is the only symptom. Sometimes there's an herb she could take in addition to changing the diet and seeing if there's a, and she would need to do it with her husband. So when I struggled with infertility, I made sure he got tested too, and not just the sperm count and not chromosomes, but just like, okay, what are your levels for certain things? Do you have a genetic mutation? Let's change the diet together. Let's change the lifestyle together. So we doubled up the effort. So for her, it could be the diet. It could be trauma. It could be something else. I'd love to, to get dig into it with her to really see. But with her right now, if she would never came to work with me, I'd be like, okay, diet needs to go more in a whole foods plant-based direction in uh, no dairy at all of any kind ever, please do yourself a favor. And after that, it just really depends. Some of my clients go vegan, some of them don't go vegan. But if they don't, then we teach them exactly how to do it, how not to do it. If I suspect there's a deficiency, she might need a supplement or she might not need a supplement. So it really is situational. And for this reason, I haven't yet published my book. I've been working on it for eight years because there's so many different circumstantial things that you can't explain it for everyone, but there could be something genetically up with her or her husband, or actually because she already had a donor, that means something's going on with her. It doesn't mean that she needs to feel badly about it. It just means that there might be a way to fix and address it.
0: Right. So I want to touch on your book real fast too, because you have been working on this for so long and it is coming out. Is it fall 2020?
1: Well, my big goal, it's been like fall, fall of 2019, fall of 2020, I'm hoping to release it by Christmas, and it's really going to be my life's work because I, when I discovered that I was fixable, it was the night I still had insomnia, I wrote out an outline. And then, of course, it changed 20 times. And I delayed it, and I delayed it because I really wanted to do several things, test it out on myself it out on a large population, uh, so a large section of population. So I've worked with uh, thousands of women since then, and then really put it in a way that anybody anywhere in the world can make it happen. So the book is called Curable, and is the ultimate guide to resolving the thyroid, autoimmune, and hormone imbalances.
0: That's fantastic. Alina, I hope that you'll come back on the podcast when it's released because we'd love to share that with everybody and make sure that they have all that great information. Let's hop over into autoimmune disorders because, you know, like I said with my daughter, when she had this, I ended up starting a foundation for kids like her Mm -hmm. and working with a lot of different health professionals who are the top in their field. And what they were finding is that so many kids who are born with different syndromes, and there's a ton of them, uh, different syndromes, the parent, the mother had an autoimmune disorder. So I was reading through your list of everything that you struggled with, sluggish, metabolism, hormonal imbalance, weight gain. I don't even know how to pronounce this one. A-M-E-N, amenorrhea. Yes. Infertility, brittle nails, thinning hair, depression, pain and stiffness in the knee joints, skin dryness, sensitivity to wearing clothing around the neck. I have to ask you about that one because I have noticed that in myself and I'm like, what is up? Fatigue, foggy memory, low libido, foggy brain and more. Mm -hmm. What is up with the wearing clothes around the neck? I think for me
1: at that time, it was thyroid because it was not functioning well. There's something, it's unexplainable, but it's one of those things the doctor will say it's not a symptom. Well, trust me, when you go in your 20s wearing turtlenecks and then saying, I, I gave away all the sweaters that had anything to do with around the neck, it was like done. And when my thyroid issues got addressed, I'm like, I'm okay. I don't love it, but I'll, I can wear it. So I think it's just somewhere, somehow the body says that there is a problem. Get the heck, is something fixed here? I can I don't have a scientific explanation on that because nobody does I think it's a body signal just to say there's something wrong right here please do fix it
0: I think that's the most wild thing because I had this happen last year where I was I said the exact same thing within my mind I love turtlenecks I used to have Ten turtlenecks, and I would just rotate out, and that was my winter wardrobe. Mm-hmm. I can't wear turtlenecks anymore. I feel like uh gagging sensation. Yes, yes,
1: that that's the feeling. And then for me, when I cleared up my stuff, that went away. But yes, yeah. it was like just get it off me, get it off me. I couldn't. I I've given given all of the turtlenecks, anything that had touched my neck that way. Now I have no problem. I'll put a scarf on myself and all of that. But at that stage, this was me like, Phoenix, give me Phoenix only.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. So there's all of these different autoimmune disorders and there's all of these different symptoms. And yet we're going into the doctors and they're turning us away because I've gotten my thyroid tested and they've said nothing was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, we're still seeing these symptoms. We're trying different diets. We're trying to exercise We are, like you said, so busy in our lives, doing so many different things. It's hard to be everything to everyone. What do we do? What, where do you even Hmm. start? Because it feels, I feel like for a lot of my clients, the anxiety comes in, just even thinking about starting a new journey with this feels anxious. You feel overwhelming. Yeah.
1: Yes. And you go, I'm in my 30s and 40s and 50. God, I need to redo my whole life all over again. So I I know the feeling. I grew up and I grew up overseas, uh, former Soviet Union in Kyrgyzstan. And we had our own cows and we had our own ducks and geese and all of that. So we ate what we raised and food and all that. So for me, when I was changing more to a plant-based diet, especially when Russians come to America, we're like, there's all this abundance now, not in this generation, but generation when we're coming out of communism in here. So a lot going into overdoing it on processed and animal products. And it happened to most of my family came here absolutely healthy and all of a sudden there is cancer, there's a heart attack, there's stroke, you know, there are things like this being overweight, I had thyroid issues. So we know it it was not just genetics, right? It was triggered by the environment. So it feels overwhelming because we we think that we do things. I I get a lot of clients who come to me and have done the paleo and the keto and whole 30 and you name it, diets. And they're like, but I'm eating healthy. And we're like, yeah, it seems like healthy compared to most, but it's not. And normally the people will go through First few months, absolutely amazing losing weight, and then the plateau, and boom, it hits them really hard. And there's an explanation for it. So what do we do? We take a deep breath, literally, and sometimes just pause everything, pause all the research. And first of all, go. I always love to go to a place of gratitude, Julie. I'm still alive for this. I'm grateful. Now, let's tune into my spirit self, to my gut self, and let's say, what. how do I want to do it? Do you want to go through multiple IVF treatments, IUI treatments, and see you know, everybody and a voodoo doctor on top of it? Or do you want to take the most natural route possible? That's the first step to anything. So make a decision. Once you make a decision, start research that way. So now you heard me. Your research can go this way. And I will give the, the gift to your um, listeners as well. But uh, at the same time, then realize that most people need support when they are go through this. So yes, you can go, I figured it out on my own, but God, I wish I didn't have to. I wish it didn't have to take me over five years to go through tears and tears and pain and finally get pregnant. I wish somebody just came to me and said, hey, here's a little guide for you. You do this and you're over. And I'd be like, no, just guide me there. So get yourself a person you can absolutely trust. It doesn't mean they're going to get you there, but just, again, every, we all healers. We have this in mind, right? We want to get everybody better. So I never judge. Somebody who is trying to do the right thing with the wrong tools because it worked for them doesn't make them wrong. It just makes it wrong for you. So follow your intuition. I'm really huge on that. So you have to feel that. And then do what are uh, four things that I usually evaluate anything by. So your your listeners should write this down. A, whatever they do has to meet the common sense criteria. Does this make common sense? No, but if somebody on keto and they're eating, eating uh, sticks of butter... That doesn't make sense. Like well, you, you uh, refer to cavemen. Nobody was milking cows and churning out butter to, to eat that way. No, it was not happening. And neither does paleo, for example. The cavemen were not running around hunting animals. They were barefoot. They had a stone. I mean, who were they going to kill with that? And if you think cows were not domesticated, so what was going on? So mostly people were living off of plants. There was no refrigeration system. They didn't have insurmountable amount of salt to preserve meat for long times. So they usually, if they killed something, they ate it and it was over, and then they went back to plants. That makes sense, right? So the second thing is, what is the historical proof here? And again, same certain criteria. I just had a client who posted on her Facebook. She pulled out two buckets of supplements, 70 supplements that she got rid of. Well, historically, I can tell you that women did not get pregnant because they were taking supplements. It was because we were changing things. We're less stressed. We were doing our life differently. And yes, there were cases of infertility, but not as much as now. So I think we might have quadrupled just in the last hundred years. So common sense, history. If I look at human history, did we eat a lot of meat? The answer is no. It was not until after World War II that we're like, oh, we can just now farm animals. That was not a thing before. Then after that, we're saying, what is the experience telling us? So for me, I said, okay, I made it work for me, but doesn't mean it will work for everyone. So I work with thousands and thousands of people. And now I'm like, oh, yes, I, it's a yes to one and yes to two. And three, we experientially know that it works. And only then, Julie, at the end of the day, I say, does the science support it. Now, we know that science can be bought or sold, and we know that scientists have prejudices when they go into your studies. I can prove to you, for example, right now having gray walls can cause depression, but only because I will have this presupposition in my head that I need to prove it and I'll find a hundred different ways to do it, right? But it doesn't make it right. There's a scientist, um, his name obeys me right now at Stanford. He proved, and he has a team working on this 24-7, that 90% of all published science is absolute within uh, less than a year of the time they're published because it's not just absolute, it's incorrect. Within one to five years, it's proven to be incorrect, but it takes up to 20 years to get it out of general population's mind to prove it to them that it was the wrong freaking science. So just to answer the question like, where do we go with that? Go against this. Common sense, history, proof, and then science. And yes, there's some good science that we can rely on, and it, it usually has to meet the first three criteria. Now, to speak to the cases of autoimmune conditions, there's a parallel that I've noticed. Now, this is not scientifically proven. If you're up to hear it, I will share it. But it is not scientifically proven yet.
0: I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Okay. So, and it goes for
1: different people. Mind you that I work, uh, my youngest client has been 16. My oldest has been 72 so far. So wide range. What I've noticed is this. If people come to me and they have an autoimmune condition, it's not always 100% so, but majority. We can tie it to that there has been some traumatic event in their life that had lodged itself in the body. I also observe these people, women, since I work with women mostly, that are most likely to criticize and loathe themselves and somehow beat themselves up, things like I'm not good enough, I'm not beautiful enough, nobody will love me, I'm X, Y, and Z, you plug it in. So really that negative words just beating your DNA down, down, and epigenetically re-engineering you. So what I've seen as a parallel is you're gonna beat yourself down emotionally. Your body turns around, and says, "Oh, got you. You want me to get rid of you, so I'm gonna start killing you." Because you turn on yourself, I'm gonna turn on myself too. Mm-hmm. So because an autoimmune response is your body is simply no longer being able to tell the difference because in, b- between the outside invader, like a virus, and your self cell. Mm-hmm. So it's really what you're doing. This will be in my book as you're committing suicide, it's slower. It's not like you're going to overdose or put a rope around your neck. But what you're saying is, I'm trying to get the heck out of this situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Work with grown women. When it comes to kids, there are different root causes. But for me, in the parallel that I have been able to try is this. And what I've noticed, and our women, they usually, when, by the time they come to me, they've been tested, and their antibodies count is very high. And we've seen it now. There have been cases where somebody had a bad root canal and there was an infection. Now their antibodies levels are up, and the root canal looks pretty in there, and it has taken them 10 years to even realize something. And the whole time, body is attacking itself only because it's trying to protect itself from infection that is trapped inside of your gums. So I had a client last year. We finally got to it. Like We've done everything else. And her TSH, those of your uh, listeners who know what that is, thyroid-stimulating hormone supposed to be between about 0.5 to 5. Hers was over 60. We got it down to 20, and she got stuck. And we went through everything. I said, okay, what else, what else, what else? Finally said, okay, tell me about your dental work. And she said, there's a couple of root canals, which actually were tied to our nerves that were going directly to her thyroid gland. Because there are energy lines that run through your entire body. We can call them chakras, but we also have the meridians. Yes. So she found a biological dentist, pulled those two out. And now she, in her 60s, she runs every single day, at least five miles a day, and she's just fine.
0: So she just and ended up taking the teeth out.
1: Yeah, but we fixed the diet, fixed the stress levels, took the teeth out. So it was really a combination. So this is another thing that we mostly don't know about. Now, here's another big one. For, since your listeners are probably a lot of them are women, right? Okay, ladies, listen up and listen very, very quickly. Whatever God gave you, if you want to alter it, don't go get fillers. Don't get boob job. If you do it, just it really, if somebody has a face that's sagging, just go get the um, facelift. Don't go get fillers because whatever you put in your body, your body will start to reject. So, for example, I put fillers in, they're chemicals. And the body will say it doesn't belong there, so your antibody, your body uh, antibody count goes up because now it's fight, fighting a foreign invader.
0: Uh oh! What about Botox?
1: Yes, same thing.
0: <laughs> you don't get Botox. Your forehead is perfect.
1: Uh there's a little. You know, let me see that right there. No, okay. I don't get a Botox. So when I had my deficiencies that I was dealing with, I developed a spasm all over my body, especially on the right side. I ended up getting a Botox because I was, had to do this a lot. Well, those of you who cannot see it, I had to really spasm my forehead and my neck and release it. So I got a shot in here to uh, stop from, because it just developed into a droop here. And I was sick within a couple of days. I was so sick that I couldn't wait for it to write it out. I did detox after that. And I said, never in life ever. So what you see is actually natural. And I told my husband, if I ever have to feel any droopiness, f- fix any drip in some, I can go under a knife, but no way will I ever, ever, ever put anything that is injectable in my body. Now, thankfully, for those of you who want your ladies to be bigger, so if you want your uh, breast augmentation... There is a way now, there's no long-term studies yet to see how safe it is, but you're, if you have a good plastic surgeon can suck your fat out from one place, pump it into another. That's my extent. Like If you really, really have to do it, and if you need a filler for under your eye, where they're get hollowed out, get your fat sucked from one place, put it into another. <laughs> now, there's no long-term studies, but it's your DNA going back into your body. So my wild guess that you would be safer, but I just had a friend... She's well-known in the business community. She's a speaker. She has a TV show. She had breast implants for the last 10 years. And she was so sick, nobody could diagnose her with anything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I was finally like, ding, 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 time to take him out. Took her breasts out and she's already feeling better. Not breast mm-hmm. breast, but implants. <laughs> well, I wanna, mm-hmm. I wanna, but so for women especially, beauty comes at a very high cost. And maybe there are some running around saying, well, I don't feel anything. Well, just give it time. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to be Debbie Downer, but it's all normal. Just let's think right? If you put a foreign object into your body and the body says it's foreign, that's exactly a virus is a foreign object. If there are some uh, germs that are foreign objects, the cancer is a foreign object, the body goes in overdrive to, to try to expel it and protect itself. So fillers, Botox included, uh, breast augmentation, people even who get hip replacement, that's still a foreign object. So they look for best material possible, even for dental implants, but there's still a risk of your body. Rejecting, and that's why when you even go, and I don't know if you had ever uh, clients who had any body a piece of body transplant, like heart transplant, they're put on immunosuppressants so that the immune system would not reject the new organ, even though it's a living tissue. Hmm. Why is that? Because it's a foreign object, Mm -hmm. but we do it as women to us all too often. So, yeah, what you see is this is all natural, and it stays that way stunning. (laughs) When I get wrinkly enough, I'll be like, okay nip and there. And maybe okay. not. I don't know. Maybe I'll just love myself the way I am.
0: Yeah. Well, I love myself and I'm not like addicted to it. I'm not attached to it, but I do like, um, I have my dad's wrinkly skin and mm-hmm. uh, getting those crow feet. So I don't get fillers, but I do get Botox and yeah. I mean, if you really
1: like those crow feet that you get, I'm getting there. And I already talked to you. I have a friend who is a surgeon. I said, what do we get when it gets worse? He's like, oh, we'll just fat, suck some of the fat out from your belly or your thigh or something else or just bump it in there for smoothness. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. We'll get there. So yeah. I'm really, I'm all for looking good. Don't get me wrong. So I'm not crunchy. Right. I, I believe in, in looking beautiful, but it, it is a, a piece that cannot might not be detectable. Your thyroid numbers might look good, but you're like, what's going on i don't like this i don't like that it could be that your body is already saying we're under attack so let's respond one of the causes and it's a very big one especially in the western community that's why we do see there's a huge rise in autoimmune conditions that were not even known before yeah because now it affects so much more
0: okay i totally i totally see that i totally know what you're saying because i'm seeing that with my clients as well What I'm wondering though, is I don't believe that there's a one size fits all diet for every person. What are you seeing the biggest parallels when it comes to diet? I know you said no dairy, you lead people more to plant-based and some choose to go vegan, some don't. What would your overall recommendation be to most people? Okay.
1: And I love that you said most people. And again, this is why it took me 10 years to write a book because most people sometimes are like, by, by the time people come to you and I, they're not most people. They're, they're the ones who are really, really screwed up in one way or another, and they are in pain. And by screwed up, I don't mean mental. I mean, physically, really screwed up. So um, I don't believe in there's one size fits all, but I believe in there's one foundation that fits all. So whole foods, plant-based, looking back in human history, and I can pull out a lot of research on this. And when my clients work with me, it's actually requiring for them to know the why and the how. But if we look historically, humans have been eating mostly plants. If there was animal food, it was little. So me, I personally, I went plant-based vegan for selfish reasons I wanted to heal. And I healed myself. Eventually, I did develop compassion toward animals because I thought, well, if I don't have to kill another being to survive, why the heck would I? Right? And but growing up, it was not even a thought because that's what we did, that's how we raised. It's not like I had to think, it was not because I was evil. So when clients come to me, I always tell them, started it, start it for selfish reasons. Let's not do, start, save the planet. Because if you do it for personal and selfish reasons, they become self full reasons, not selfish anymore, and the planet and the animals benefit as a byproduct. So there's a plug for that, so it makes sense as why I am advocate for this. Now, scientifically, we know if your diet is about 5% or less, uh, that in 5% of it um, or less it comes from animal sources, you can still largely get away with being healthy. Now, for example, if you had cancer, heart attack, or stroke, it's highly unadvisable because usually the higher fat content foods come from animal foods. They also lack fiber. The big thing also is here to ask, okay, what is it that they magically have that I can't get on my own? Because if you look at it, most, especially in the Western society, most of us consume herbivore animals, right? Not carnivores. Now, could it be done? Yes, possibly. I'm not going to argue for Chinese cultures and others, but here us in the Western society. So if we're going to look at, at the big animals, and the big thing, in, in, especially in America and the Euro- European world, is where do you get your protein? Well, if I look at a cow that goes from a calf to a huge bull in one year, besides his mother's milk, which is that's why it's so dangerous for us, which increases them in, in, in leaps and bounds, they eat plants if they can eat plants and get away with it, why can't we? And we don't have to go into this argument over how our teeth are shaped or whatever else. It's just logical thinking or historical thinking. So I find it really unimportant to argue over the, the small, like, oh, we have canine. Our canine are not the same canine as canines have, but... So if we look at elephants and if you look at what, uh, was it rhinoceros? They're all huge animals, but they all are plant eaters. So that kind of takes care of that. So, but if you're attached to meat, if you're attached to animal foods, my goal is always 5% of your diet or less. And then plants, lots of them and frequently in in variety and diverse now to what other things determine if people need to make adjustments or not is the next step is do you need to be gluten-free or not? Rule of thumb, you, I, you, I don't know if you're going to find it in studies anywhere. This is from years of experience and from my mentor who has double the experience that I do is if you have an autoimmune condition, your gut simply cannot digest proteins that come from gluten grains. So it's very simple. Avoid them. If you don't have an autoimmune condition or sensitivity, like me, I had sandwich for breakfast. I'm okay. But had I had a Hashimoto's condition, I probably would have avoided it. So that's one of the the other things, and largely I avoid anything that's acid forming. That's usually processed foods. It's your caffeine, it's your alcohol. They're just not great for your body. So if you ever do them, small amounts, infrequently. Personally, I just don't because I like to be. Um, like I said, I'm turning forty three this this week, and I still feel like much younger than I did in my late twenties. I prefer that for myself. So those are just real rules of thumb to follow that is for general public. When it comes to individuals, Julie, it just will depend. Some of my clients will first go through the elimination diet because their gut is so destroyed that they really need time to heal. Mm -hmm. And there are some people who will avoid certain foods because they're triggers. But I don't go like, I don't ever scream, avoid soy, avoid corn, avoid gluten. I'm saying, if this is conditional, then we will do that. Because otherwise, it's just fear-mongering and I don't agree with it.
0: Right. So I've got two questions for you. What percentage of your diet do you recommend is plant? And also I come from a big Italian family, even though I don't look it and food and variety of food is all anybody talks about. I mean, you go on vacation with my family and they've got planned out every (laughs) breakfast, lunch, dinner for the entire time ahead of time. My mom would never even eat like the same thing, the same thing as leftovers. She likes to have a lot of variety, uh, which was something that she kind of passed down to me too. So how do you get variety? Because I don't cook and when I try and eat a lot of plants, I feel like I'm cooking the same five things over and over and I just OD on them and then I don't, my taste buds don't want to have it. (laughs) Anymore. eventually they rebel and they say, enough.
1: This is just like a boring marriage, right?
0: No more <laughs> Let's go out on a date.
1: <laughs> yes, I totally hear you. So the percentage, so if somebody was considering saying, okay, I don't really want to go vegan, then we say, okay, 95% vegan, 5% carnivore. You're good there. Can get away with that. That's my rule of thumb. So if I were to give you an actual idea of what it would be like, if you think of a size of a credit card about an inch thick, that's a serving of an animal product no more than three of those per week. That's my rule of thumb. This is where we stay. Again, it will then further depend on anybody who and what. When it comes to variety, I think it really depends situation. I go and I shop, my cart is always full. I could spend like $200 on groceries for a week and a half. I have a family of three to feed and we have things that we can just grab and go. So usually it's fruits and some vegetables and things that you cook. So, me, I'm busy. I can, Mondays, where you actually have a name for Mondays in my household, they're my crazy days. That's when I get behind the computer at nine and I get off at eight. This is how it goes, but then it kind of tapers off. So, I can't imagine having to cook every single meal. So, I cook in bulk. I'll prep a few salads, I'll put some smoothies, I'll put, I make a big pot of soup, or for example, I'll cook a whole bunch of brown rice and beans, and then I can mix and match them in a salad, in a soup, I can make a burrito out of them. So variety is important, but not overly important. So taste buds is one thing, right? So let's admit, we all get bored easily. And what you said about five meals, that's about what an average American family does. So actually there somebody did the count, five to 10 meals, the recipes they go through over and over again. That's why a lot of Americans go out. Now I was raised in a country where we didn't have as many accommodations in restaurants. We cooked a lot. So for me, you can pre-cook a lot of things, Julie, or pay somebody to cook for you, freeze a whole lot, and then you defrost overnight and then you enjoy it. But if we look at variety, how important is it? I mean, it's important to a point, but if we look at civilizations that survive sometimes and things, let's look at the Asian cultures, a lot of rice, a lot of tofu, and nobody's grown man boobs. So tofu is not bad. So it's not bad. It's just eating it in its whole form is good. So if we look at that, there's a lot of that. So there are some plants, a lot of plants, and they will have some meat products in there. So if I were to go in rural China, i now, have a, a, a tongue twister here. So in rural China, if you go there, most people will eat very small percentage of their uh, diet from meat and their serving of meat will be like a chicken nugget size compared to an American, right? Like a chicken leg size. And they eat mostly plants, but a lot of them are rotating the same plants that are available. And remember that what we have in America is abnormal. It's fresh fruit and produce around the year that it did not used to be that way. There were times when people ate seasonally. For Russians, deep in Siberia, that would mean you're eating potatoes year-round, there are mushrooms, there would be some uh, preserves that you're going to save for the winter. The summers are very short, so whatever you get, you get. And still, we know that Russian history and, and countries have been around for thousands of years. So I look at that. So is variety important? It's fantastic. Is eating seasonal great? Yes, that's great too, but you don't have to abide by any specific law. I've worked with women so far from 30 different countries, and what I do, we made it work for every single one of them. Some of them have a lot of variety, they live in America, and then I have people who don't, and we rotate through the sea, maybe 15 to 20 different ingredients, and they still make it.
0: So let me ask you one more thing. I know that when it comes down to plant based eating too, there's a big Kind of debate on whether or not to cook, you know, your plants mm-hmm. and cook them, or if when you're cooking, you're cooking the nutrients out of them if you cook them too long. Do you talk to your clients about that, and what do you see? I do not.
1: I okay. think it's nonsense uh, because we know now through studying how cooking uh, what it does. Some nutrients are killed in the cooking process. Some are amplified during a cooking process. Go figure. Sure. I don't subscribe to all raw diet. Now, remember when I went through years and years of being sick, I've considered all diets. I've done the Atkins. I was like, Billy, not so much for me anymore. I couldn't do the South Beach diet. I was like, I couldn't survive past a few days without fruit. So I've done all kinds of crazy stuff. And this is exactly what I don't like. People trying to create and say there's one formula. So for me, while there's not one size fits all, I believe there's one foundation fits all. But some people would like more beans, and some people would like more seeds, and some people would like more nuts. That's where what one size fits all. But when it comes to this uh, conversation about raw and cooked, listen, it's the middle of the winter in many uh, states right now. And coming inside and eating raw food and your body is shivering and wanting to warm up, that just makes no sense. Mm-hmm. So here's my rule of thumb, Julie. Eat plants, eat some raw, eat some cooked, enjoy them celebrate life and you're okay. I have some clients who come to me if their digestive system is so destroyed, they can't even eat raw foods because the enzymes in them make it harder for them to digest. Mm-hmm. So some of them might be on an old cooked diet for three or four months before they ever eat a fresh plant,
0: Yeah, but
1: they do fabulously. They still heal and eventually they introduce that.
0: Oh, so and- the
1: whole splitting here of, you know, let's do more. Let's not split here and let's say, let's eat more plants, mostly whole foods. Most of the time, do a variety and enjoy your life on this planet. So that, that's my approach to life. This is what I talk to my clients about. I, I actually have to put them through a deconversion process when they come to me. It's like, okay, there's people who talk to me about, well, what about the blood type diet? What about this diet? I go, oh my God, just, just purge, 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 purge. And then we start afresh and we set you. I've been plant-based for over, over 11 years now. You just complimented me on my skin. So did the, uh, my plastic surgeon friend that I talked to. He's like, oh, you have good skin. You're good. It comes from, doing you know what i what I'm talking about right now? I don't overemphasize. Yesterday, we had a scrambled tofu and a green smoothie for dinner. This morning, I was like, no, I want a sandwich. I had a sandwich and it just had tomato, with a little bit of vegan mayo on it. I put cucumbers and I put some greens on it and I had it with a cup of hot tea. Yeah. Simple.
0: Simple. I love it. Two last things and then I'll let you go. Oh, it's one, one, one. I want to know, you know, what's the most rewarding for you? Because working with clients and seeing people heal is just so amazing. What's your greatest success story that you love to share? And two, what was the freebie that you were talking about for the listeners?
1: Absolutely. Well, the, mo- the, the reward is, is what I do is because we have such high success rate. It's my reward and my pain, right? I got to, I, just like you, I get to talk to a lot of sick and hurt people every day. I'm an empath. Like your pain is my pain. and I have to be really careful on how I guard my heart. So it gets to me. Sometimes I need to go away for a week and talk to no one. But it's also the reward because I get to participate in your life and in your pain. And I get to guide you to the other side. So I have a lot of success stories, but I'm going to share one. I can share two, one about baby, one without a baby. So the baby story is I work with a client now. It's been three years and she came to me. She has already tried a lot of what your listener Just talked about in the the case that you read to me earlier. She had miscarriages. She's been to Mexico and America going between, like on the border. She actually lives close to the border to different doctors. She's done therapy. She is allergic to medication, but her thyroid was severely out of whack. And she had an autoimmune thyroiditis, which is Hashimoto's. So here's this woman having miscarriages, cannot conceive. And she comes to me and I say, okay, I totally think we can help you. And I'm always careful. I never tell somebody I can get you pregnant. Your body can do it. I can't, but I can help you to, to get there. And it was now I I usually prefer my clients get really healthy first, then have babies. But here's an email I get from her two weeks into us working together. Oh my God, Elaine, I just spit in a stick, a stick and I'm pregnant. And I, what do I do? What do I do? I'm like, well, I guess there's only one thing to do: skip the baby since you wanted it. And then we figured the rest out. So we did within six months, all of her n- numbers stabilized. In the beginning, doctors tried to scare her. Your baby is going to die. It's going to be mentally retarded if you don't go on medication. And remember, she is allergic to medication. So it's a choice she's making. Do I stay normal or do I compromise the pregnancy? And we're like, okay, breathe. Let's go back to our North Star. Like, what, what is your, your gut saying? What do you go? She's like, okay. She chose no medication. That was her choice. I don't tell everybody to do the same thing. I didn't make her do it. So within five months, uh, six months, everything stabilized. Her thyroid markers are normal. She has this beautiful baby boy. And then within a few short months after that gets pregnant again, and now she has two beautiful babies. And only because we really went, simplify, 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 become who you are. So another one that is really a favorite of mine, two years ago, I worked with a client, she's an occupational therapist, came to me and this woman could barely function. She said, I don't even remember, she has two children, their early childhood because everything was just in a, in a brain fog, very high dosage of medication. She said, if there was no cameras, I wouldn't even know what happened. And uh, her husband, he works for a hospital as an anesthesiologist. And so talking to this you know, crazy woman who says that people can heal naturally, he's like, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to do it. And his wife just like, I got to do it. It took us four weeks later, they were taking their honeymoon, they called it, got away from kids because they had, before that she had no sex drive. And now only four weeks later, she's symptom-free, medication-free, and they were mating like rabbits after that. And then I got that doctor to come in on an interview and say, this actually works. So those are my top two favorite, but I have a million of others as well. But um, that, that's, that's, that's the rewarding part. And the gift that I mentioned earlier, I've put together a guide. It's about, I can't remember, 40, 50 p- pages long. It's called From the Womb to the Tomb. It's a woman's guide to health. And I really talk about from conception or where you think about conception is the dues and the domes. It's not the specific plants. It's general things that you can immediately implement. And the link to that, if you like it, is 360impacthealth.com forward slash womb, W-O-M-B-tomb. So womb-tomb, dash and you're going to get the gift.
0: Oh, perfect. And we will put that in the show notes for everybody to be able to link over to you. Alina, thank you first and foremost so much for being on the show. But if people want to check out your website, or come work with you, where should they go?
1: They should go to the website 360impacthealth.com. So simple. And there's a reason called 360 because your health touches all the degrees of your life. So we called it that. So 360 impacthealth.com. I have trainings, I have articles, I have interviews on a website. You can gorge yourself silly, or there's a link right on the website where you can just click on it. In a half, two-step process before I ever consider working with somebody, it's this. They need to watch my training. It's on a website. So they know what uh, crazy they're getting into. Then we offer a complimentary 15-minute call where we ask you 10 questions to see if we can help you so that we don't waste your or our time. And then if we do, we put you to the next call, which might be with me or with one mm-hmm. of my coaches, where we sit down for an hour, we talk about details, and then we make decisions and only then do we say, okay, let's work together.
0: Fantastic. Oh, well, thank you so much for being on the show. And I really do hope that you come back when your book comes out, because we would love to share that again with our listeners.
1: I would love to. I have two books coming out. One is actually June or July. It's actually a healing process, which probably would be lovely for your audience. It's called Son of a Whore. It's about my husband's uh, coming out of abuse and trauma and rebirthing himself through spiritual time travel, shall we put it that way, and addressing those issues. And basically having the celestial meetings with his mother who has already passed away, who was not a woman to love him, but a woman who got him to where he is one way or another now. And the second one is coming out at the end of the year. I would love, love, love to share both of them with your audience when they come out.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much, Elena.
1: And thank you so much for having me, Julie. It was my pleasure.
0: Beautiful souls, we have so many freebies to help serve you, your family, and friends. Want a weekly message from your angels emailed to you? Sign up on my website to receive a weekly message of love, hope, and healing from the angels. Do you have a prayer request? Go to the homepage of my website and submit your prayer request so that our team of prayer warriors can be praying for you daily. Want to learn more about the angels and energy healing? Subscribe to my YouTube channel called Julie Jancis to learn more about the angels, energy healing techniques, and so much more. One of the biggest things we hear from our listeners is that they have no one to talk to about their spiritual awakening. We created a private Facebook group called the Angels and Awakening Podcast Tribe so that you could connect with others like you and know that you're not alone. So be sure to join this group on Facebook to get the support you need. Want a free session? We plan to give away over 240 free sessions with students in the Angel School per year. To win a free session, subscribe and rate this podcast five stars. Then write a positive review and email us a screenshot. That way we know who to contact when you win. Want to share your uplifting Angel story on the podcast? Because we love sharing them please write down your angel story and email it to us. Don't forget, be an angel and share this podcast with someone who needs it. See you back here next time for another episode of the Angels and Awakening podcast. Friends, before we go, I want you to take a deep breath in. Deep breath out. Again, deep breath, inhaling the pure white light and love of God, making you feel weightless and filled with joy. And I want you to exhale all of the heaviness that you've been carrying in your auric field, in your chakras, in your body. Friends, no matter where you are in your life, Your angels need you to know that you are so, so loved. Never doubt that you have big, big purpose here and now. What is your soul here to do? My friends, your spirit team is always working with you. I want you to see and feel your heart chakra and your heart itself opening like French doors. I want you to see God And your spirit team sending you a multitude of blessings of abundance in health, wealth, happiness, love, and peace. See all of those unexpected blessings filling your heart right now. My friends, your soul is love, joy, peace, bliss. Ease and grace. And because that's who and what you truly are, these elements can never leave you. They can never be taken away from you. And my friends, all you really ever have to do is just be. Be you and radiate the beautiful light that you are. So go forth today and be an angel in the lives of others. Radiate your love and live in the high vibration of simply being.